0: First, let's learn. So Parsha is So the beginning of the Parsha is the Aharon, lighting the menorah. We're going to go through that very, very quickly. I want to really focus on the second episode of our parsha, which is the consecration of the Levim. So that the two opening episodes of our parsha are really the uh, in a way, a dedication, a consecration of the family of Levi. First the Kohanim, a little bit regarding the lighting of the menorah, and then to the Levi. The Parsha begins uh, with a command: Abera Laharon Vyamahatoi Love Hashem speaks to Moshe and tells him to tell Aaron a los cho as han e rosa new light cause the candles to be lit of the menorah, el they should all be directed towards the center of the menorah. If you picture your menorah, the Natachanaka menorah that we light, which has eight branches in the Beis HaMikdash, the original menorah has seven, one straight up the middle, and then three on the two sides. So that the requirement here is when you light the three, really the three on the right side and the three on the left side, all of those lights, the candles, the actual uh, wick, has to be directed towards the center. And then, as Refersh discusses, as we've been focusing on the writings of Refersh, there is a debate amongst the sages exactly what direction the menorah itself was placed. The menorah was in the Heichel, um, and it was towards uh, it was on the southern side of the uh, of the Heichel. And so there are two ways to put it. Either it was facing north-south or east-west. Uh, without getting it, if I had a whole graph and diagram, we would go through all the uh, the various options. The main thing that I just want to share refers comments, according to the opinion that it was placed in a north-south direction, that means the center flame itself was directed towards the Holy of Holies, the Kodesh hakodashim. So that each of the side wicks were pointed towards the middle, and then the middle wick was pointed towards the Kodesh hakodashim. And the symbolism in this, this the reason why this is even discussed here, this really is out of place, this commandment to light the menorah. Was, we already were taught about this earlier in Sefer Shmos. Uh, Rashi notes that Chazal were bothered, that Aharon himself was not part of the uh, offerings that all of the tribal leaders brought at the end of last week's Parsha. Every uh, end of Parsha so, as they uh, as they dedicated the Mishkan, they all brought a Chanukah Samzbech, the original offering. Each one of the 12 tribes, but the 12 tribes, they're always, the number 12 is always the consistent number, but sometimes the tribe of Yosef is split into two when we don't count Yosef, excuse me, Levi. And this is one of those instances in which the tribe of Levi was not represented. And we get the number 12 because Yosef was divided into Menashe and Ephraim. So Aharon, representing the tribe of Levi, did not have a portion, didn't have an initial offering. They were the ones bringing the offerings, but they weren't physically bringing them. But they didn't, they didn't offer anything of their own. So Hashem says, "I'm going to give you the menorah. Not to worry. You're going to have something which is going to last even longer than the karbanos. You're going to have the menorah. So much to discuss about that. I just want to focus on the one point that Rav Hirsch mentions: bringing the offerings represented the idea of bringing your own goods, your gold, your silver, or your, in this case, your flour and your incense and your animals." And the Levim didn't really have, the family of the Kohanim and Levim didn't really have because they weren't given a piece of land, They were their job was to serve, they were given specific cities to live in, but they didn't work the land, they didn't earn a living that way, they were given truma and or they were given percentages of the crops from the regular Jewish farmers that would sustain them, but they didn't therefore have what to offer. They didn't work the land to be able to say, this is what we've produced, here's from our livestock, here's from our crops. And so there's something, you know, they felt bad. They were missing something. Hashem says to him, "You're going to like the menorah." And as Rofersh points out, the, on the, the three wicks on the right side and the three wicks on the left side all pointed to each other. The north side and the on the south side of the base of the heichal, the inner chamber of the base hamikdash, represented on the one side the menorah, which was wisdom and spirituality, and on the north side was the shulchan, the table with the twelve loaves of bread, which represented material benefit. And they both faced each other. And the symbolism of that was, Rofersh writes. A, a Jew only really succeeds when he's able to integrate both of these concepts. He's ready to integrate his pursuit of spirituality and then uplifting his material goods with that to use them for the right purpose. And one's material goods are uplifted because he's connected to his spiritual growth. And I'm not doing this for myself. I'm not doing it just so I should have a fancy house and a nice car and a lot of money. Want to be able to contribute. And so when the North and the South face each other, When the material gains that the Shulchan represents and the spiritual gains that the menorah represents all face each other, and that middle branch faces the Kodesh HaKadoshim directed to Hashem in the Holy of Holies, that's that's a task. And it's the Kohen's job to ensure that, to inspire the people to integrate all those different aspects and direct their lives towards the Kodesh and that's the gift that Amosha Moshe gives to Aharon at this point. I know you didn't bring an inaugural offering, but you're the one who's going to be Mishares. You're the one who's going to serve in this Mishkan, and therefore you're going to light this menorah and all of that symbolism to keep the Jews in line to make sure that they're living up to their spiritual goals and ideals by being able to combine all of that. Let's jump a few psukim down to the second episode and read this. Uh, we'll focus on this for uh, for this afternoon. This is the consecration of the Levian. The Pesach says as follows, Hashem spoke to Moshe and said to him as follows, Kach es mitoich b'nei Yisrael. You're going to take the from amongst the Jewish people, you're going to purify them. I have to mention, we've said this many, many times because Rashi makes this comment every single time, as does the Maharal. Whenever the Torah uses the language, Kach, take someone, take the Levim, Hashem says to Moshe, take them from amongst the Jewish people and purify them. And Rashi always says, one, in one version or another, that it meant, take them with words. Take them by convincing them to step forward. Rashi's language is kachem With words, take them. What word should you use? Ashrechem. How praiseworthy are you? Shetiz kuli hiyos shamashim, excuse me, Lamakum. You're going to serve Hashem in the Beis HaMikdash. How praiseworthy. Ashrecha. You're praised to be able to, to do so. This always implies a hesitancy that the, the object of the person being taken didn't want to go and they needed to be convinced they were hesitant to do so. Rashi says this when Adam HaRishon was placed into Gan Eden. The passage is Vayikach Hashem Alokim That Hashem took Adam and put him in Gan Eden. And Rashi there also says, he convinced him with words. It's going to be a good place for you. It's going to be lovely, good food, good food, good fruit trees. Everything is going to be set for you. And any time we see the language of Kach Vayikach Korach, like Korach is going to lead his rebellion and he took his people with him also. Rashi says there also, he took them with words. He convinced them to join. And the morale always explains, and we'll, I'll comment on this because it's such a beautiful idea. Why does Rashi always do that? Why can't you read the psukim literally? Kacha and Take them, go over, take them by the hand, and say, Come, you're going to serve in the base Hamikdosh. Why does Rashi always interpret the word kach, to take, to meaning with words, as opposed to literally? Hashem took Adam, and he put him in Gareh, did it? The, the pasuk reads very simply. Korach took these people, and to his. But no, Rashi always says it means with words. Morale says most beautiful idea. I apologize if you've heard this from me many, many times, but it's worth it. Maral says because the essence of a person is not his physical body. The essence of a person is his da'as, his knowledge, his mindset, his belief system. And if the Torah says to take someone, it doesn't mean to physically pick him up and move him from point A to point B. You haven't taken him anywhere. All you've done is you've you've moved his physical body. But if you can convince somebody of something new, If you can teach someone something new, you can get them to see something from a different angle so that they now think or believe differently than they did before, now you've actually taken the essence of the person, not just his physical body. If I take a Democrat and I move him from this state to that state, Okay, he's the same person, just in a new location. But if I can convince someone to see the world in a different way, and I'm not advocating converting Republicans to Democrats to Democrats to conservatives to liberals to liberals to conservatives, I'm just saying, but if you can do that, then you've actually moved a person. So in, in, the, in the world of the Torah, when Hashem says, I'm going to take them and put him in Gan Eden, I'm not physically picking him up. I'm going to convince him that this is where he wants to be. When Hashem says, here, kachas Moshe, your job is not just to physically move them out of their tents and bring them to the Mishkan. Your job is to make them feel that this is what they want to be doing. This is what they were born to be doing. This is their destiny. Take them with words and say, How worthy are you? How blessed are you to serve Hashem? On that, which is a magnificent idea, the Rashi says it every time, as the Moral explains it as well, you always then have to also ask, why wouldn't the Levium want to do this? So that would seem, that would seem to be one of two ways I would just, I'm not saying I didn't see this, I'm just speaking out loud. Either it's a matter of the fear that they would have of working in the Mishkan, the concern of if they messed up, The penalties, the the severity of the responsibility that they had. And it also could be, I wonder, the fact that they also were just not part of the inaugural offerings that all of the tribal leaders just brought. Like Aharon himself felt bad and was given the mitzvah of lighting the menorah. The Levim also didn't bring, because they weren't given land. They weren't given a piece of Eretz Yisrael. They were given specific cities, but there was no tribal inheritance given to the tribe of Levi. And instead, they serve in the Mishka. They serve in the Beis HaMikdash. Could be, could be that there was a little bit of uh, disappointment, maybe, that they weren't given a piece of land, and instead they serve in the Beis HaMikdash. Maybe they'd rather be a farmer, rather have a piece of land, maybe become wealthy. And Moshe says to them, No, Ashrechem, you indeed have the most treasured position of all to serve in the Beis HaMikdash. What a gift. How praiseworthy are you. And then, yes, you have to convince them. Because maybe they weren't so quick to want to do so. But Hashem says to them, Take them. Take them with words and make them see what a beautiful gift it is that they have. Now, what's going to happen? What's the process? Pose Exile verse 7 in front of you on your screen. Vachosa Selah this is what you're going to do to purify them. You can sprinkle upon them the waters of purification from the paraduma, like we've discussed in previous classes. And then you're going to shave with a razor over their entire body, removing all of their hair. And wash their clothes. Three things they get sprinkled, they wash their clothes like in a mikveh. And then they're shaven, their head is shaven from head to toe, um, with a few notable exceptions. So, very strange. Now, to, be, to purify them with the water purification makes sense. That's how you purify a person. To wash their clothing in a mikveh, okay, that's what you do. And if it becomes ritually impure, why, why is their hair shaven? And Rashi notes that this is also done with a mitzora, somebody who developed tzarat, at the end of their process, their end of their purification as well. And this, Rashi then notes, is a part of the process that we're going to see in the Pesukim in a few moments. The Leviim's role is to take the place of the firstborn. The Bechor originally was the one who was going to serve in the Mishkan. That was the job of the Bechor, and we lost it. I say we, I'm a Bechor firstborn. We lost it during the Chet Egel, and it was instead given over to the uh, to the Levium, and there was a purification process. And in the same way as there was a purification process of one who had saraz, Rashi ties in, the Levium taking the place, somehow go through some process as well and their hair is shaven off. Hirsch suggests that the meaning of that is hair is something on the body which is a protective layer. It insulates and it, so to speak, um, isolates a person from his outside surroundings. That's sort of what it represents. And the shaving of the hair, the to these as far as the Levim here goes, is now that they're being inducted into national service, they no longer can use the card of, I'm here for myself, to protect myself, to live in my own insular world. Not anymore. When you don't have that hair, you're, so to speak, exposed. You're now vulnerable. You don't have that protection. And the Levim can no longer just go into their own homes and their private residences and say, leave us alone, we're here for ourselves. Nope. You're now a servant of the people and as a servant of the people without that extra layer of insularity or protection, you're out there and you have to be out there and that he sees as the symbolism of having their hair shorn off, um, that they're now for others, not just to protect themselves and to live for themselves but for everyone else as well. Continuing, what else do they need to do in order to get ready? They have a bowl and a meal offering with flour. A second par, which is going to be a karban chatos. They have two offerings. One as a karban ola, one as a carbon chatos. The is you're then going to bring all of these Levi'im before the Moed. the Hikhal tas call Adas B'nai Yisrael, and gather all the Israel, the Adas B'nai Yisrael, together. Now remember, this is all part of the switch that we're going to see in a moment, inside literally, in which the Levi'im are now going to represent the people. So since the Levim are going to take the place of the people, so the processes, you now, after the Levim go through their process, they, go to the, they have the, the mechata sprinkled on them, and they put their clothing in the mikvah, and they have their hair shaved off. Then you gather them together in front of kol adas b'nei Yisrael. All of the Jewish people have to gather together. posuk yud, yud lefnei. Hashem, you'll bring the Levim before Hashem. And then the Jewish people put their hands on top of the heads of the living. There's a smicha process. This is a smicha process. When a Jew would bring a korban. he would do the same thing. He would do smicha. He would put his hands and lean his whole weight on the head of the animal before the animal was brought as a symbolic gesture of, like, as the Ramban writes, really this animal should be me, but Hashem doesn't want me to die. But I'm going to bring this animal instead of me, but I like put my weight as smicha unto the animal, and that's done before an animal is brought as a karbon. That's where the original concept of smicha, which today is loosely translated as rabbinic ordination. You become a rabbi, you got your smicha. Original smicha was Moshe put his hands on top of, of, of uh, Yehoshua and conferred smicha on him as next in line, and then that was done from generation to generation. An actual process of smicha of conferring the power, so to speak, of... Uh, of the rabbinic tradition onto the next generation. So here this was done from the Jewish people onto the heads of the Levim, who are now going to take the place of the people in representing them in the Mishkan. And then the Pesach says here, Yud'alav v'heyniv aharon es halavim to tinufot Hashem. Aharon is then going to literally wave the... Wave the the Levim um in front of Hashem Yisrael Hashem. I see the English translation was is uh something is off on the on the here. in any case, they're literally going to Uh, wave them, just like an elevation offering is, is waved. Um, and they will be now ready, la avodas avodas Hashem to serve the service of Hashem. The Gemara points out the tremendous strength that Aharon would have needed to physically wave. There were 22,000 Levi'im, um, that were now appointed to be the servers in the, in the Mishkan. And so the Medjush points out the Gvura that a Kohen Gadol, there's a number of traits, qualities that a Kohen Gadol had to have in order to be qualified to be a Kohen Gadol. He had to be wealthy, he had to be strong. And this is the proof that the Gemara, the, the Medrash brings for the strength that's necessary for a Kohen Gadol is that Aaron physically waived um, 22,000 levies, all took place on one day. If you do the math, as Rav HaMeshul likes to point out, the calculation of the amount of physical labor that that required was beyond, and obviously one of the miracles of... Uh, of the process, then Pesuk Yud Beis Halavim Yismichu as Yedehem Al Ro Then the Levim would then do smicha themselves on the heads of the bulls. Vaasehas how Achad Chatos Vasehas Achad Olal Hashem Peral Halavim to bring as like an atonement. Then now the Levim are taking this new role. So Hashem, then you'll place all the Levim and they shall wave them um, before. Uh, before Asha v'hivdalta, halavvim yitoch b'nei Yisrael v'ha'yuli halavvim. Okay, and then the the Torah sort of concludes that whole idea. What's the what's going to happen through this process? You will designate, set aside v'hivdalta like havdala, the lavvim Ben Israel, Yisrael Ha-levi'im. And then now they're going to be to me, because originally again, it was the b'chor, it was the firstborn that had that particular role. Now it's going to be flipped to be the levim, and so they've now been designated. They've gone through this process in which they are unique. Hashem says, "And there will now be for me this entire tribe, of Levium, to serve for me. Yare, Yavo,vim Lamoed. And some, and Vehinafto'o some, Tenufa. Again, then they will come to serve in the Owen Moed. You will purify them and wave them as a Tenufa. And uh, Torah then highlights. Torah then highlights why this is being done as we've been sharing before, but I'd like to pay attention to the number of times that the phrase B'nai Yisrael appears in the next series of Sukkim. Rashi is going to note this, but let's, as we go along, note it as ourselves. Why is this process happening that we're designated the tribe of Levi for the special task to serve in the Beis HaMikdash? Because they are given to me. Mitoch Bene Israel from amongst the children of Israel, Takas Pitras rechem b'chor call me Bene Israel Akhti Osamli. Instead of the Bukhor, the first issue of the womb, the Peterechem um, of the Jewish people, meaning that was the original plan. Imagine what that would have been like. Um, if we had in every Jewish family there was a first board who served in the Mishkan. So instead of having a specific tribe, it was within a family. You had a representative of every family who would serve in the Mishkan. That person's job was to be a spiritual guide for the family, to train to actually go to the Mishkan, go to the Beis Hamikdash and do their thing. And within each home, you had like a Levi, so to speak. The way that we have a Levi now, and that would just change the dynamics. That was the way that it was supposed to be. That the, the Bukhor had those particular rights of serving and would elevate. Elevate the families that within each community and many living within the families. And we lost that. And instead, Hashem says, I needed to take the Levium for me instead. So far, we have been Israel once, or twice already, that Pasik. Right, Kinisun on the top of your page. Kinesis in the name of from amongst the Jewish people. Tachas Pidrakol Bchor Kol Bnei Yisrael instead of the firstborn of Bnei Israel. and then Pesuk Yitzayin Seventeen Kili Kol Bchor Bnei Yisrael because really every Bchor belongs to me from amongst the Jewish people. both human and animal. Bchor Because when I um, when, when I smote, when I slaughtered, struck down all the firstborns in Mitzrayim, I sanctified them to me. Remember, the firstborns needed to do something in order to survive. You had to put the blood on the doorpost in order that the home should not have the firstborn die. So I sanctified each firstborn back in Mitzrayim. And that's why we have the mitzvah. Firstborn animals are sanctified, firstborn children are, are sanctified. However, Hashem says, even though I sanctified them for Me originally, that's number four. But I have—I uh, think that's four. to we count them right? Uh, th- no. Th- uh, yeah, uh, I've taken the levi'im instead of the b'chor of Bnei Yisrael, and therefore I have. Place them all to Aharon and to his sons, In this Pasuk alone, the this gave him to one, number two, three, four, five five times the word Yisrael appears in this one Pasuk that all of the... Let's get, let's get the context of the Palsic first before we focus on the fact that it says B'nai Israel five times. The, the Levim have now been placed instead of B'nai Israel. They're the ones who are going to serve and atone for the B'nai Israel, so that there should not be any plague or affliction if B'nai Yisrael would now come in because now that they're not allowed to, only the Levim are allowed to serve in certain areas. So therefore, it will protect... B'nei Israel from any plague by having someone come in inappropriately. And then the parsha concludes this particular parsha, Moshe so and Arvayas, Moshe and Moshe and Moshe and Moshe Moshe and everything that had been required of them. Five times in that one Pesach, besides for numerous other reference to Bnei Yisrael in this series of psukim, but five times in one Pesach, it says, I've taken the Leviim instead of Bnei Yisrael. Rashi notes, what's the Pshat? Why is it such a focus, a highlight on five times? So whenever you hear the word five, there are certain major numbers, of course, in Jewish thought, as you know. So whenever you hear five, so that always, of course, is the number of the books in the Chumash, says Rashi. Why is it that we have this five different times? One pasuk, Five times it says the word B'nai Yisrael. To let us know the great love that Hashem has for the Jewish people. That they're mentioned the mention of the name B'nai Yisrael was said the same number of times, the Khumshe Torah. So just like there are five books in the Torah, the name B'nai Yisrael was mentioned five times, and that's a display of the love that Hashem has for the Jewish people. We mentioned over Shavuos, so those who were in Shul, uh, that was one of the themes we spoke about in the morning. Joshua's, all the different times you have the language of mitoch chi because of Hashem's great love. Like the, in Sefer Bamidbar, when we started the count of the people, why are we counted so many times? Three different times in one year we're counted. So Rashi noted mitoch chi because of Hashem's great love for us. He counts us always. We mentioned the Ramban, that it's not just that He loves us that He counts us, but that He lets us know that He's counting us, so that we should know how much He loves us. And we mentioned the Mishnah Pirkei Avos, the great Chiba, the great love that Hashem has for human beings that we were created Elohim, in the image of Hashem and that he told us we were created in the image of Hashem and the great love that he has specifically for the Jewish people that we are called children to Hashem and that he told us that we are his children the great love that it displays that he let us know how much love he has for us and the Mishnah then concluded and the great love that Hashem has for us that he gave us Alekach tov a most beautiful gift of the Torah, and not only did he give us this most wonderful gift, but that he told us, tov nasati lachem." I gave you this great gift. Take care of it. Treat it with great respect and reverence, and cherish it. And that all of that was that language of Chiba, So here too, we have also that Rashi says because Hashem loves the Jewish people. Five times he mentioned their name in one pasuk, corresponding to the five books of the Chumash. Moral asks, that's a beautiful idea. What does it have to do here with the Levium taking over for the Jewish, for the Bechor, that instead of having the firstborn serve, now it's a Levi in each family. And to protect the Jewish people from any plague, if they would inappropriately enter the Mishka, now the Levium are in charge. Why is this the place where we mention that Hashem loves the Jewish people so much? So he mentioned our name five times in this particular part. You could have done that anywhere. Why specifically? moral. gives two answers for this. Number one, he says, it's divrei Ritsui. To the Levim, it's, an, it's a furthering of the idea that we started. It's an appeasing, so to speak, or impressing upon the Levim, the great position that they have. You're taking over for the Bechor. The Bechor came from the Jewish people. It used to be in every family, and now you're doing it. Ashreichem shetizku l'chaper al b'nei You need to know how praiseworthy that you're now going to serve as an atonement for the Jewish people. The Jewish people are connected. chum shei They're corresponding to the five books of the Torah, and you need to know that the Torah and the Jewish people are like one. Kuch rabricho Raisa, the Torah chadu, we're like one with the Torah, as Rashi calls it elsewhere in Chumash. Bishvil Yisraelu bishvil Hatorah, nivra haolam. The whole world was created on the one hand for the Jewish people, and it was created for the Torah. And now you're taking over for them. You're now going to be the source of their atonement, their kapara. You need to know the value of that. So in this passage where the levim are being chosen to take that role. It's not just you're taking the role of a nothing. You're not just taking the role of a nobody. Okay, they couldn't do it. No, you're taking the role of Klai Yisrael. Klai Yisrael was supposed to serve in the Beis HaMikdash, represented by each Bechor. And they're equivalent. They're like married to the Torah and they can't do it. Now you're going to do it? Now, Shreich, you need to know, Leviim. what a powerful role this is. Second thought that the morale shares which is focusing on the end of the pasukhet that says that now that it's your job Levim, to be there you're here to protect the Jewish people so that they don't inappropriately enter and if they did enter there would be some type of plague so on that the Rashi says and if there would be some type of plague and a Jew died is that such a big deal so if anyone were to dare say that the answer is yes that is Shaharei kol echad mi Yisrael khashuv ki Every single Jew is as important as the entirety of all of Torah. The immense. And if one Jew were to be lost because he inappropriately entered the Mishkan and a plague happened, and just one Jew were to be lost, Hare ilu Nisraf Sefer Torah. It would be like the entire Torah was burnt. And you, have to protect now the Jewish people from entering in an inappropriate way because each and every one of them is like a Torah. If we were to lose one, the whole thing is burnt, as if a Torah was burnt. As the Gemara points out, if someone's in the room when a person dies, he has to rip his clothing. The same way you would rip your clothing if a Sefer Torah was burnt. Now that a Jew isn't here in the world anymore, says the Maral, the Fi Haya Yochol Od Lilmod, he would have been able to learn more. Torah and now that he's died, he can't learn anything more. So now it's like a Sefer Torah that's been burnt and we rip our clothing in the same way. We, of course, today, only the family rips their clothing, but it would be if anyone was present at the time that a Jew died, would also rip Kriya. Like a Sefer Torah that was burnt. And therefore, this Pasek, in which we say to the Levim, you are now taking the role of the Bechor, you now need to protect the Jew from coming in in an area and in a way that he's not allowed to go, lest he die and perish from the sanctity where he's entered inappropriately, and that very possibly we reference B'nai Yisrael five times to say, and this is why you need to be so careful, because each and every Jew is like a Sefer Torah. Each and every Jew, if we were to lose him, is like a Sefer Torah was burnt because of what he can accomplish in this world that he's no longer able to do. And therefore, that's why in this posseg, to protect us, we have that reference. And that is a magnificent message to conclude with. Every single Jew is like a Sefer Torah. Every single Jew can learn, can accomplish, can do so much. And if it doesn't happen or if it's cut short, the feeling that we have is literally like a Sefer Torah was just burnt before. It's terrible. What a loss. That's how we feel. That's how we value each and every person. And so it's at this specific moment that the Levim were reminded five times we use the word B'nai Yisrael in one Pasuk, literally like a Sefer Torah, to understand the value of each and every person. Wishing everybody a wonderful day. Always a pleasure to be able to learn a little bit together with you. All the best, everyone.